Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, my name is Gideon Marks, and I've been variously called a capo in the uh, Trump army, sometimes called battalion commander, writer, philosophy, etc. I've been with Donald Trump since he came down the escalator and declared, despite the violation of all the standards of political correctness, that the Mexicans were sending some of their people over who were not all that great. Some of the people coming over were rapists and murderers and drug dealers. And when I heard him say that and tell the truth, I knew at that moment that uh, Donald Trump was going to be the candidate that I was going to be voting for and working for. Today, um, almost three years later, uh, it is Labor Day 2019, and uh, we have found that we are working for something that is far greater than just one man or one person. We're working for an America First nationalist agenda unashamedly America first, putting our own people, our own workers, particularly our working class first, and not allowing political correctness, identity politics, or race baiting, or any other nonsense that has been tried so desperately and in a great panic by the 2019 version of the Democrat Party to uh, try to harm Donald Trump and try to disparage the uh, so-called deplorables of which I am a card-carrying member. What does it mean? What does it mean for us to stand by this notion of an America First political party? Well, first of all, we are working to completely, completely revamp the Republican Party. Our goal is to throw out the Jeff Flakes and the mercantilist type, uh, what I call the milk toast Republicans. These are people who were afraid to tell the truth, who were easily cowed into supporting uh, Democrat policies and positions that were not in the best interest of the working class of the United States. These included people, very greedy type of people who didn't mind selling out millions of our American jobs to China and Mexico uh, if it meant that their companies could make a better profit off of it. And they excused it by saying they were producing lower-priced goods for us, although we didn't care about the lower-priced goods. We cared about uh, our jobs, having jobs. Lower-priced goods don't mean crap if we don't have an income and if our towns are hollowed out, and if our schools are ghost towns. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened uh, during the NAFTA-China years from George Bush all the way from Clinton all the way through to Barack Obama. Nobody had the guts to stop it. Everybody benefited from it, and we, the working class, didn't have a voice, didn't have anybody to defend us until Donald Trump decided to leave the establishment donor class and come down and assist us. Now, can I, uh, let me know, do you, do those of you who are in the audience today, do you agree with what I'm saying here? Just uh, let me know. 
taken some amazing steps to uh, to break the mold and to take a mighty sledgehammer to the establishment and take it down, and do what he can to take it down. And he has, in fact, done so. And it took a man who was willing to have almost a stream of consciousness through social media to do that. I think we all agree that that's the case, correct? Yeah, so uh, what we have today is a man who is using the bully pulpit of the White House to crush the system that allowed for the essential rape of the American economy by China and allowed companies, encouraged companies, to send our businesses, our investment, our companies overseas. And the result was a horror story. Donald Trump understood that, and he was willing to sacrifice his golden years, his retirement, to become the voice for the working class of the United States of America. And that is the essence of our devotion and our love and support for him. We don't care about uh, ET tapes, and we don't care about this or that PC violation or uh, accusations by small, small people like Don Lemon uh, or Lawrence O'Donnell, these other very tiny, insignificant ants in history. What we're concerned about is our communities, our families, our jobs, our incomes, and that's where Donald Trump has been our champion for a very long time. Let me move over here. Uh, maybe the microphone's a little bit better for you guys. Uh, all right. So um, the thing that we uh, are telling people these days is to stay the course uh, and to recognize that as long as we understand the power of our vote, the fact that we have a vote, and our vote matters, and that we're dealing with forces that have basically come together uh, in an organized fashion to oppose our America First agenda, and that the primary reason for their opposition is to preserve their position, uh, the establishment position. Once we understand that, we can come forth with firm resolution to never bend, never surrender, never give an inch to those who are using ABC, CNN, MSNBC, Washington Post, Atlantic Magazine, New York Times, etc. These Democrat operatives who have quietly over the years come in and taken over control of those uh, information and entertainment and media outlets, Hollywood, music studios, they have grouped together. They all ha are like one uh, head with uh, several bodies. And they tacitly uh, or directly work for the De Democrat National Committee. And the Democrat National Committee was severely embarrassed in 2016 on several fronts, including the front that involved the release of the Podesta emails and that showed back backroom uh, activity that was, to say the least, uh, dirty in terms of their own candidates, to Bernie Sanders, the way he was rigged out of the election. And uh, there were all sorts of uh, very embarrassing revelations that came out, emails that disparaged Catholics by the Democrat and National Committee executives and that made light of, of black folks and that uh, put down various people 
that in public they were acting as if they, they cared about or, or valued or respected. It was a tremendous embarrassment, and as we all know, the Bernie Sanders faction at the Democrat National Committee walked out. And the day that they walked out uh, of, the, um, of the convention, well, Hillary was going to be nominated anyway, but the day they walked out, uh, that sent massive alarm bells pulsing through the entire Democrat Party, but particularly in the Democrat National Committee. Debbie Wasserman Saltz was ousted quickly. And um, from that time, they realized that if the Bernie Sanders far-left socialist wing left their party, they would be a fractured, weak party that would never, ever take the Senate or the White House again. Maybe the House, because there are more seats and so forth, and that's more of a direct uh, uh, vote situation on a local level, but not the White House. They would, they would be a fractured party. It would never come back together again. Now, Donald Trump's election was a disaster for the Democrats on many different levels. First of all, here is someone that the establishment did not own. He is, in fact, a true revolutionary. He's owned by no one. He's nobody's puppet. He says what he wants to say. He says it when he wants to say it. He says it through social media. It spread around the world like, like wildfire instantly. His power and influence is massive. He has a huge following of working class, every, everyday Americans who recognize what he has brought to the table. And therefore, this man who cannot be controlled, who's nobody's puppet, is a danger in the eyes of the donor class and the establishment. And the donor class establishment is a class that Donald knows very well because he was a part of it. And here's a guy who abandoned, turned his back on that elite social club, took all, this, all their secrets with him, and then proceeded to pound them into submission with a mighty sledgehammer that comes from operating out of the Oval Office of the United States of America. It's the worst possible thing for the people who are, get it, who are very rich, very, very used to their fat cat, cushy lifestyle of telling people what to do and where to do it and how to do it. These colluders who had bought up the New York Times and CNN and other uh, operations, other cultural and news and media operations, it felt like they could never be rocked. They can never be taken down. They controlled everything every last thing on in, in America. And if they wanted to uh, exploit the working class, they're going to do it. If they want to sell their jobs off to China and Mexico, they're going to do it. You know, if they're going to have open borders so they can flood our land with uh, unpaid, low, low wage labor to make to increase their profits, they're going to do it. And it was Donald Trump who said, this is not the America I know. And I'm willing to put my body on the line. I'm willing to leave my Uncle Donald uh, world where I have a number one rated TV show. I'm well liked around the world. I have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I'm uh, very wealthy. I have the most luxurious retirement any man could possibly hope for. I'm a beautiful wife 
ex, you know, successful children. I have it all. I could just retire now and enjoy these years to the max, no limit whatsoever. But he decided to cash all that in in order to run for president and make the fundamental revolutionary changes that needed to be done. Now, how do you do that? Well, you don't dance around the question. You don't do cutesy speeches. You take out a mighty sledgehammer and you crush the opposition in its place. You take out their knees, basically, verbally and rhetorically, using Twitter and uh, other means. And, of course, other uh, interviews and so forth. And you tell the truth. And sometimes it's a stream of consciousness, and sometimes it's right off the top of his head, and sometimes it could be said better. But it doesn't matter, because it's the truth every time it comes out of his mouth. And the media, the Jim Acostas and the Don Lemons and the, you know, the Rachel Maddows, these low-level, unimportant, historically, individuals who work for their paymaster, the Democrats who own their stations, they were marshaled like troops to go out and smear, to take words out of context and tell the world that he said something that he didn't say, or take a joke and tell everybody that he was serious when everybody knew he was telling a joke, uh, and to make connections and come up with phony uh, conspiracies out of nothing uh, just to keep everyone's mind off the dirt that had been revealed as a result of the Podesta emails. And we haven't even begun to scrape the surface of the dirt that the, the Clintons have uh, dumped upon the moral fiber, if there was one, of the Democrat Party. Uh, that party, a lot of people like to say, well, my family's always been a Democrat. Well, not your family's not always been a part of this party, this 2019 version. Uh, the Democrats ceased to really be an American patriotic party um, somewhere towards the end of the Bill Clinton administration, somewhere around the Monica Lewinsky time. And uh, the, uh, the Clintons have had a, a uh, had had following them around wherever they go, a string of bodies. Uh, the, everywhere they go, whether it's Vince Foster or it's two teenagers and the white Whitewater uh, scandal found by a railroad track, or uh, if it's Seth Rich, wherever they go, whenever there's a scandal of some sort, ultimately bodies turn up from people who might have been in uh, a danger, a danger to the Clintons in legal terms, and somehow or other they all die off and. Uh, Nobody can trace the culprit back to Hillary or, or Bill Clinton, uh, but the people of this country sense that something very deeply wrong has happened since the Clintons uh, put their influence into that Democrat Party. The Podesta email revelations, all the dirt and, and, and snide comments and, and, and uh, corruption that were revealed as a result of those emails, that is just uh, a, uh, I, that's just the opening uh, salvo. Um, we in Trump Nation, we're very certain that Seth Rich was murdered. We're also very certain that Julian Assange is keeping the fact that uh, Seth Rich gave him the emails in his back pocket as a bargaining tool 
uh, when it, he's finally brought to the U.S., extradited to the U.S., and uh, to face um, uh, charges for the release of uh, the docu various documents that he's released over the years. Um, and we're pretty sure that he's going to use that as a, a bargaining chip. I'm quite sure that, uh, that the Clintons would love to have Assange killed. I'm sure that they've tried on numerous occasions, uh, but he's now in complete uh, safety and custody. And you can be darn sure that the Trump administration will absolutely protect him when they bring him back here and that they will begin those discussions uh, when the time is right. Might be even after, who knows how long it'll take, might be even after Trump leaves. But when that happens, uh, at that time, uh, he will reveal that Seth Rich produced the emails. It's very, it was very easy for him to get them. He would have been in perfect position to... Uh, put a, a beautiful little phishing attack into Podesta's uh, email or to otherwise find his password using digital means. He was a computer whiz. Um, he was also the son of two extremely strong Bernie fanatics. He himself was a Bernie fanatic and he must have realized somewhere along the line what the party was doing to Bernie and must have been angry as hell. And that is what led him to take the Podesta emails and send them to Assange to embarrass uh, the people involved. In, in his mind, he probably hoped that embarrassment would be enough to give, uh, allow Bernie to have a fair shot so that they couldn't try to bury him and he'd get a fair shot at the convention. But the Clintons and the, uh, the, the upper echelons saw this as a threat, uh, an existential threat, and they just had one of their professional hit people uh, through various channels uh, off him. <coughs> the plan was to have Muriel, Bra Muriel Bowser, who was a close friend of the Clintons and a Democrat and the, uh, uh, the mayor of Washington, D.C., to ensure that her police department confiscated his com laptop completely quickly and that uh, that would be uh, quickly uh, sort of spirited away and either uh, you know, washed or destroyed or what have you so that it would no longer be a threat. But what they didn't understand was that Seth had already sent the bulk of the Podesta emails to Assange so that even after his death, even after Assange put up a $20,000 reward for whoever killed Seth Rich, uh, those emails came out and continued to embarrass the, uh, the party. Uh, so I, that's going to, I firmly believe that's going to come out. Common sense tells you that's exactly what happened. But we'll leave that to the future. The wheels of justice move slowly, as we all know. Um, the point of all this is that the Democrats have been in a state of desperation and panic, and that this has, has, is what has fueled their extremist anti-Trumpism, their smears, their abandonment of professional journalistic ethics and uh, their endless attempts to try to bring down Donald Trump, which have only resulted in strengthening his support because the people, the majority of people in this country know exactly what these uh, Democrat-owned um, cultural and propaganda outlets have been putting forth. And they're not as dumb as uh, they may think. These newspapers and Washington Post, CNN, 
they think they still have this level of influence and respect they had, say, back in 1970 uh, during the Watergate here. They don't have that respect anymore. Yes, they have their channels, and yes, they're out there, but there are hundreds of channels out there nowadays. And very few people turn in for the nightly news anymore. Most of us get headlines from the sources that we trust. And more and more people trust sources like uh, OAN or uh, uh, Tucker Carlson or Hannity or Rush Limbaugh or, or other sources uh, or newspapers, just everyday local newspapers that are not, have not allowed themselves to become smear factories doing the bidding of the Democrat National Committee. And as a result, the left-wing media empire doesn't have the power that it had before, and that has only increased their frustration and caused them to double down on their foolish and stupid comments. Um, the result is, uh, has been abysmal for them. They're going to lose mightily in 2020. They think that Donald smears and his uh, Donald... Uh, Donald's stream of consciousness twit tweets are just so abhorrent and horrible that we're all going to turn against him. But we're actually glad to know what our president's thinking. Uh, Trump is the first WYSIWYG president. What you see is what you get. He's speaking from his heart and his mind. And whether we agree or disagree, or whether we would have said it one way or another, or a better way or a worse way, doesn't matter. The fact is we know who we're dealing with with Donald Trump, and on balance, we support virtually everything he's trying to do because he's sincerely trying to do it for the sake of this country, and particularly the sake of the working class of this country. So we are very, very much aligned to him. Now, the critics tell us that we're operating a cult, the cult of Trump. Well, we love Trump. We love his honesty. We like his jokes. Yes, we do. But. Anyone who thinks that the America First movement is going to die out after Trump finishes his second term is woefully mistaken. This is a movement. A movement is very different from support for a candidate. This is a nationalist America First movement. And the hapless and rather naive and foolish uh, MSNBC and CNN and the music industry, Hollywood leftists, you don't understand that the, the mass of American workers support this man very much and that you have actually driven us to support him even more, more solidly, with more unity because of your smears. Until, it'll never, I don't think it's going to ever happen, but if the media and the leftists and everything ever actually look in the mirror and recognize that they have helped build the Trump empire, the Trump movement, the America first movement by virtue of their lies and distortions. When they finally stop and realize, yes, we have distorted. Yes, we have lied. Yes, we have taken things out of context and claimed that he said things and meant things he didn't mean. Yes, we've done all of that. Once, if they ever did admit all of that, there could be a chance that some folks who've come to Trump Nation would begin to pull out a little bit. But whether we love Trump, as I do, or whether we're just lukewarm towards him but know that this is a man who's doing the right thing by his heart, we have a massive movement going that's going to be voting in 2020. And that same group is going to be bigger and stronger by 2024 
and we're going to take the person who best represents the America First movement in the spirit of Donald Trump, and we're going to be voting for them too. So we get back to the whole concept here of the fact that we have completely restructured and rebuilt the grand old party, the Republican Party. We have no room anymore for mercantilists. We have no room for people trying to, you know, scream uh, Trump's of this or Trump's of that or uh, he's leading us to recession or we, we, you know, we can't possibly stand up to China. All these other cowardly, spineless things that... Uh, the Romneys and the Flakes and the and uh, some of these clowns who, who think they're going to run against Donald say on a daily basis. <coughs> these are people who are blind, blind to the reality of the electorate. And this electorate is not going anywhere. We are supporting the America First movement. Just so happens Donald Trump was the man with the guts and the vision to come down and take his mighty sledgehammer and crush the system so that it could be rebuilt into something that represents the American people and not just the greedy donor class establishment, both on the Democrat and the Republican side. And we thank him for that. But the work of build, building our country and, and ensuring that the grand old party, Republican Party, is a working class party, well, that's the work that we're doing today. And we intend to drive all the old Republicans out. We don't want you part of our party unless you're going to be a nationalist, American first supporter. Uh, if you can't be that, then shut up, sit in, the, sit in the sidelines, get out of the way. You're not welcome in the new party that we're creating. We think most of these people have already left, uh, and the few that are still remaining will be voted out and will be leaving soon. So uh, we're very, very positive about the future. Um, we know that our willpower is the key. As Trump has said repeatedly, just never surrender. When you know you're in the right, when you know you're doing the right thing, our borders, our, uh, our, 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 our police, our economy, our trade deals, all of these things, our economic policies, when you know you're in the right, then you stand up for the right and you hold to the right and you do not back down from the right. And that's exactly where we're going to be for the next four years and beyond as we build up the Republican Party into what amounts to the America First Party. Now, on the other side, the desperate, fragmented, panicking, hysterical Democrats are continuing to fling stuff left and right all over the place, and they never stopped. After the Podesta emails, after the big rift in 2016, they didn't do what they should have done. And what they should have done was everybody stop, shut up for a minute and look in the mirror and rebuild your party from the ground up, knowing that you have to serve the majority of the middle and working class people of the United States. Put aside all your rhetoric. Put aside all your Ocasio-Cortez cow farting and Ilhan Omar's anti-Semitic Jew hating and all that stuff. Get rid of it. Wipe it out of your party marginalize them, get them off the committees, tell poor, aging, senile Nancy Pelosi she made a major mistake in giving these people such a loud voice and a megaphone in her party, and put them aside, wipe them aside, and rebuild your party in the image of the Truman-Kennedy party that was patriotic at its core. And even if we dis disagreed with them, even if we didn't have anything we... Uh, 
you know, we really cared about as far as uh, their policies, or we opposed them. Plenty of people opposed uh, the New Deal and so forth and uh, the policies of uh, Truman, but that we never doubted their patriotism. That's not something that ever came up. And we always thought of them as Americans. Now, in 2019, that's no longer the case. We don't consider them patriots. Many of us do not consider them valid or legitimate Americans or just Americans on paper. Um, and that's what, where the Democrat Party is today. Until that is completely f destroyed and rebuilt the way we're rebuilding the Republican Party into a party that really represents the mass of American people, the Democrats have no chance. And taking any lesson from the 2018 elections and saying, oh, well, we, we, we won the House back, that was a fluke year, and they should understand also how they've abandoned the promises they made to their voters that allowed them to take the House. You've got to remember, the majority of the people who, were, who won, they were people who were more in the middle of the road. Uh, some of them were veterans. They're not people who are happy with the leftward turn of their party. But Nancy Pelosi has muzzled them all, virtually all of them, made sure that they're not on any committees, they don't have much voice. And uh, with rare exception, very few of them mouth any opposition to the leftward turn of their party. So the Democrats are basically waiting to be proven. They need proof that this left-wing turn is, has not been a good idea. And they're going to get that proof in 2020 when they're roundly defeated in every category and the Republicans, uh, the new America First Republicans take over the House of Representatives and we add to our Senate majority and of course we retain the White House. So um, I want to say to everyone here, I, I very much thank you for coming by. Um, I hope that you'll take some of these lessons into your own lives and street in the street and continue to participate. This isn't about just about Donald Trump. It's about our country's future. It's about nationalism. It's about love of country. It's about putting our people ahead of others. Uh, it doesn't mean we ignore others. It doesn't mean we don't care about others. It doesn't mean we don't care about the environment. It doesn't mean we don't care about animals. It doesn't mean we don't care about any of the things that the leftists tell us we don't care about. It means we approach these things with common sense. And um, if there's one thing that the America First movement has taught us is that our country certainly needs a very healthy dose of common sense. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.